It's a creativatorium. <laughs> With your host, Sam Prince. That's me. Well, we talk everything acting. One of my favorite passion topics. And everything else in between. With very special guests, we talk film, theater, modeling, screenwriting, directing, design, behind the scenes, and so much more. So let's get crack a lackin' and see what we have in store this week. And action! Come and enjoy the screening of a locally produced play called Frederick, which chronicles the life of Frederick Douglass. He was born a slave in the early 1800s, learned how to read, escaped slavery, and became a great abolitionist and political figure who was instrumental in the elimination of slavery. Frederick was first performed in August 2021 and then again in February 2022, where it was filmed. This filmed screening will be shown at the Kent Theater, 7 Main Street, Cedar Springs, Sunday, February 26 at 3 p.m. Tickets are only $8.50, $10 at the door. This screening will also be streamed online for the world to see. Tickets are $12.50, and they can be purchased at our website at www.samber.productions or on eventbrite.com. Search Frederick. Bring the family and learn about a great man of Black American history. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Creativatorium. My name is Sam Prince, of course, and I am honored to have part two, but with a special guest. <laughs> I have Mr. Troy Jordan with me again, and special guest, Ms. Teresa Harris. How are you two doing today? We are fine. Thank you. Yes. Yes. Miss Harris was on a podcast. Oh boy. This goes back a few months at least ago. Might have been a year ago. I think it's been about a year. Yeah. Yep. And that was awesome. So thank you so much for coming on with us again. Thank you for having me. Yes. So Last time, Mr. Jordan, uh, we were on with Mr. C.J. Harris, and we were talking about uh, gossip, uh, your podcast. Yes, sir. Yes. And I finished it, and it was amazing. So impressed. Um, but then, you know, as I was listening, you know, you, you didn't just direct it. You actually played... A character or two? Yes, sir. I uh, played the DJ. Um, I also sang uh, the song I've Been Drinking. Um, you sang that song? <laughs> yes, sir. I made that song and sung it, yes. Uh, made the lyrics and uh, the uh, individual that did the audio, I mean, excuse me, the uh, music for us, uh, Bruce Johnson, he played the music and I just made some words. Uh, made some words up and sung it as a song. <laughs> that is awesome. That is awesome. Wow. Yeah, and he did a great job as a DJ. Thank you so much. I appreciate that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, were you a DJ in the past? No, I've never been a DJ. I've been <laughs> told to DJ's voice, but I've never been one. Yeah, you definitely have a DJ's voice. That is for sure. That is for sure. Yeah. And Ms. Harris, um, tell us about your involvement with gossip. I began um, my involvement with gossip around 2016, I think. Yeah, around 2016. And I was asked to take um, the original play and experience and upon it. And um, we um, we actually produced it in 2017. I probably started writing on it in 2016. But um, it was it was a great foundational piece. And I just took it and added my 
swear to it. Um, and I was really, um, I was, I was bowled over that the original playwright, she, that she, Miss Scott, that she allowed me to take on this play without really overseeing. Cause you know, when you do something and then you hand it over, it's still kind of your baby, even though you've given it to somebody else. And I know I'm sure. very territorial. And, uh, but she, uh, I, I promised that I would take good care of her play and she trusted me and I didn't hear anything more from her until we actually produced the play, um, at the night of the, the production didn't didn't hear anything from her before then, and uh, so I was really flattered that she would trust me with something so important. Yeah, yeah. So, so what does she think of the finished product? She said she loved it. She was very pleased, and um, and the thing was, I tried to keep it as true to her vision as possible, but just. You know, add a little little fanciness here or a little um, depth to a character there, but keep the essence of her play. And she was very pleased with the result. That's awesome. That is awesome. Wow. Very cool. Yeah, I mean, I definitely know you, you, people's works are their babies, you know, and like you said, yeah. yeah. I and a little to do that with one of my plays. I'll be honest. I don't know if I could just hand it over to someone else to rewrite. Right. Right. Same here. Same here. Yeah. yeah. Anybody direct a play of mine. I do. I may venture down that path with a with a play that I have yet to write, but um, I haven't I haven't handed one over to someone else quite yet. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I, I kind of went through a similar thing with the Frederick play. You know, it's, it, I took inserts of another Frederick Douglass play by a guy by the name mm -hmm. of H.C. Cargill. Um, but there were just scenes, you know, there wasn't, there was just scenes of Frederick Douglass with Abraham Lincoln with his two wives, things like that. But there wasn't any of like his storyline in it yeah and so i called him up and i asked him uh if he mind if i just use some of his scenes in the play not not his entire play and he was super cool with it i was so shocked at shocked and excited at the same time because similar to yours you know it, it he allowed me to you know, just use what I wanted to use. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. It's great. And yeah. she has the same rogue gossip. She has another play called Dark Shadows. I'm, I'm going to see if she might be willing to take change that title because I don't know if you're familiar with, I don't know if you're old enough to remember Dark Shadows on TV with Barnabas yeah. and yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I don't, yeah, and a lot of a lot of the audience probably won't remember it, but there will be some people who will remember it. I don't necessarily want that connection, so we may change the title. And um, but she's giving me another play to work with, and as soon as I find some time, I, I hope to do the same thing with that. And um, ultimately, we want to maybe turn that one into a film. Into a film? Yes. Yes. All right. Trying to things kind of thinking outside the box and doing things different than you know than what people might expect or what we've done before like the podcast was something totally different that we never even thought about doing with gossip and that turned out magnificently so yeah we want to maybe turn dark shadows either into a series uh or a a film all right that's great that's great so, Mr. Jordan, <clears throat> back to you. Um, mm -hmm. And I, forgive me, I didn't ask you this question before we got on, but um, are you doing anything for Black History Month? Are you involved in anything this month? Uh, actually, yes. 
I am have been asked to sing at a um, um, performance that's being put on at our local Belks department store here in our mall in Lynchburg, Virginia. Um, the Legacy Museum has asked me to sing for that. And I've also been asked to sing at the University of Lynchburg the following day. Um, and I solicited some help um, in the form of a, of a uh, musician who can play a keyboard and, and Mrs. Teresa Harris here and a couple of other people to help uh, with, with uh, both of those. Um, not that I couldn't do it by myself, but I think it's fun when you have more people. It's more of an impactful uh, thing to show people that you can get up and do something like that for Black history. Yeah. All right. That's great, man. Just using your talents for the public and good. Thank you. That's and great. You know, this man has amazing voice, and I have been wanting to sing with him. Uh, for a long time, so this would be a great opportunity to do that. Yeah, will this be the first time? Uh, kind of in this way. We've sung on a larger choir together, but we're doing a quartet, and so to have a small group like that, this this is the first time, yes. Oh, man. That is great. Wow. Will, will it be recorded somehow? I don't know if the people that are putting it on will record it. Uh, if it is, I'll ask for it, and I'll be happy to send it to you. Yes, I really would love to hear it. Love to hear it. Yeah, mm -hmm. that's awesome. So, uh, Ms. Harris, what? Uh, tell us about what you're doing for Black History Month right now. In the past, I've done uh, the Quincy Armstrong Show which is a um, talk show formatted show that has a fictitious interviewer named um, Quincy Armstrong interviewing real historical figures uh, on the show. And this was an opportunity to educate and entertain because the characters, the, the, the historical figures that I uh, feature often are people that uh, historically people or, or traditionally people don't know as much about. So it's an opportunity to share these people's stories with the world and uh, let them know what role they played in our history. But uh, we just, we've done that for about three years or more and we decided because we, we have been doing them live and then when COVID set in we started to do the Quincy Armstrong show um, online as a virtual talk show. But um, this year, I really like the virtual format because when you're doing a live performance, it's usually like one night and you might get, you know, you'll only get a certain amount of people. But when you do it online, especially when you post it on YouTube, it's up there for eternity and you can get a lot of, a lot of viewers that way. And we've been successful in getting a lot of views. So um, we decided to continue that format, but do something a little different. We're um, doing uh, the history of, uh, well, the we're not can't do the whole comprehensive history of Fifth Street, but we're we're talking to people who lived, played, worked on Fifth Street, which, as I was telling you before we went on air, uh, is the Black Main Street of Lynchburg, Virginia, where everything happened right after um, Reconstruction on up to about the early seventies. Everything was happening there. Uh, if it, if it involved the Black community, it was happening there. So. There are people still here, uh, still alive, that are um, still able to tell the stories of that area. So that's what I'm trying to capture, their stories. Wow. Still alive. A few of them, yes. Um, a couple of them are in there. There's one lady I talked to that was in just uh, getting ready to turn 89. And another lady is 72. And the others are in their late 60s, early 70s that I'm talking to. So I'm getting some, these people were there during the time. In fact, one of them uh, remembered when they're, I don't know if you remember the sit-ins that were probably happening all over the country where uh, there, there was lunch counter sit-ins because of uh, Jim Crow. Maybe and that might've been more predominantly in the South, but we had Jim Crow laws where black people could not go and eat. And I mean, they could purchase, but you couldn't go and sit in the restaurants 
or the cafes or the pubs or whatever. So, wow. um, so college students took on that mission of trying to break that down. And that would have been like in the 60s. They were trying to um, stop that nonsense and they would go sit in and they would bring black students with them and yeah. they would get arrested. So that happened here. It was happening probably all over the South. It happened here. And there was a lady who was there when it actually happened here at one of our stores, uh, Patterson's drugstore. And so she was able to relate, relay exactly what happened. And it was fascinating to hear it from firsthand knowledge. Right, man. Whew. Yeah, it, it, it's, it's fascinating and disturbing at the same time of what we had to go through um, even then. You know, I mean, I mean, slavery was, is one thing and that was terrible. But I mean, just the fact that we couldn't go into restaurants, you know, drink from water fountains, you know. It, yeah. And then we could spend the money, but we couldn't sit down and, and, and eat. Right. And, uh, yeah, exactly, exactly. So, and the cool thing though about that, out of, as, which is our history, I think, as Black people, out of adversity, um, we excelled, we, we created culture, um, yeah. we created community. Yes, yes, absolutely, absolutely. And that, yeah, that's, um, I'm watching that, uh, 1619 Project. Oh, yeah. Have, have either of you seen it yet? No, I haven't. Um, I, I have. It was, you have it, it? It, oh. it, I've seen the whole thing. And just so you know, she was actually here in Lynchburg, and myself and Teresa met her, shook her hand, and actually talked to her. She was at Lynchburg College or really? University of Lynchburg. Yes, sir. Really? Wow. Fascinating woman. Very smart, very sharp. Um, she is extremely tuned in to what's going on in this country right now. Seems like it. Seems like yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. But one of the themes was what Teresa was talking about. Uh, you know how we persevere and 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 you know turn. You know. Pigs and the and the and the chitlins, you know, would just make, you know, make good things out of out of bad situations, you know, and it it, it it's a testament to how strong we are as a people. Yeah, That's true, definitely. <clears throat> yeah, and chitlins are our best creation. <laughs> <laughs> Amen. Right. Right. Amen. I know my kids don't understand why I like them, but, you know, they're from another generation. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> I'm up in Detroit, but it's, you're in Detroit, right? I'm from Detroit, yep. Okay, well, um, I don't know, I don't know about where you are, but here, it's, it's getting harder and harder to find Chitlins. Yes, it is, here too, yeah, yeah, I'm, I live on the west side of Michigan now, which is about two, two and a half hours away from Detroit. But yeah, in, okay. in Detroit, it's 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 tough to find. Yeah, it's it's a dying dish. <laughs> yes, it is. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Hey, I, I just, I mean, I, I told Mr. Jordan and Mr. Harris last episode, I just want to reiterate, you know, how proud I am to know you and how how you are just doing just amazing things for African-American culture, history, all that, you know, I, I just, uh, I'm just honored that you're doing it, keep doing it, you know, and don't stop. I plan to keep doing it. All right. All right. Well, um, so let's play a game real quick. Um, so I asked Mr. Jordan, we'll start Mr. Jordan first to give me, uh, four of his favorite actors. And, uh, we're going to kind of have a little bracket 
and see who's your favorite out of these four. All right. All right. You ready? Yes, sir. It's not, it's not gonna be easy. I, and I'm apologizing now, but um <laughs> but we'll see how it goes. So the first two, and I always mess up his name, and I'm probably gonna do it again. Uh Juman Hanso. Hanso. Hanso, that's right. Hanso, right. Uh, versus John Amos. Oh. <laughs> I'm going to say John Amos. I'm going to tell you why. He was a pioneer. Back in that time, that, I mean, he, he broke a lot of different barriers. Um, he did. His character was, I mean, it was strong. It was powerful. It was um, like we're from good times uh, for those individuals who didn't have a family, or, excuse me, who didn't have a father in the home, uh, you felt like he was your dad. You felt like you could watch that show and see yourself in that show and emulate him. And a lot of those yeah. kids back in the day, younger younger boys who grew up who grew up to be men, they were stronger men for that. And so they exude that to their children, which I thought that was pretty yeah. awesome. Yeah. He's very dynamic in different roles that he played. Over the years. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. Yeah. I mean, I was a big Good Times fan. And uh he 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 was a different father, you know. He was he wasn't, you know, you know, Beaver Cleaver's Mr. Cleaver's father. I mean, he was he was strong, he was, you know, he'd get mad sometimes, you know, but yet he he was loving too, you know. Yeah, there was nothing, nothing, especially when it came to good times, there was nothing about that show that was fake. That stuff actually happened in those projects. That same things actually happened all over the country in different parts of the county, cities, whatever you want to call them. That yeah. actually did happen. Make believe about anything. And most of the people, if they were really honest, they could relate to that. Right. Right. Yeah. Heck yeah. I mean, it was in the Chicago projects, if I recall, right? Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. 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 <clears throat> yeah. He's, he, he is amazing. All right. So, next two, two amazing women, uh, Angela Bassett and Viola Davis. Um, I love them both. That's that's hard. Um, yeah. I would say Viola Davis simply because this woman has run the gamut. I mean, there is nothing that she will not try to do. Um, mm -hmm. uh, she actually, when most people don't realize this, but she really didn't start out like you would think she would have started out. She actually started there as a debut in a play where she played a nurse. The play was called um, The Substance of Fire. And a lot mm. of people don't know that. And mm. thanks to Angela Bassett, her first debut was, was when she was on FX, uh, Murder by Illusions, which is nothing more than a TV show where she was a reporter. Mm. And that's how she found and, and, and has grown and blossomed. So really, either one of them. Um, Viola, uh, her, 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 the, the movie that I thought, that, that I personally think that put her on the map was Law Abiding Citizen. And yeah. then um, did one of the, um, uh, I don't know if it was Marvel, Marvel Comics movies, but she did one of those as, as one of the uh, police officers, uh, I mean, uh, excuse me, police chief. And then uh, Ma, uh, Ma Rainey's Black Bottom, that was, Whoa. I was sure played that one. That was, that was something. And then How did I she saw play the one. That one. I don't know. I don't My know. Gosh. I, wow. That's yeah. Very, that, very, that was her. People. Yeah, very diverse. And she's extremely, all of these people are extremely humble in, in what they do. They don't try right. to outshine anybody else. They are who they are at their core. Right. Right. Absolutely. Love them all. I do too. Yeah. All right. So now we got the finals. We've got Viola Davis versus John Amos. Who would be your favorite? I'm gonna stick with John. 
John being <laughs> yeah, you know, I, I, I stick with John, him being the pioneer because, uh, again, I'll use uh, uh, um, uh, good times as an example. Him being the pioneer as a man, but then you had Florida Evans and you had Valona, who were pioneer women in those series. And I'm mm-hmm. almost sure if Angela Bassett and Viola Davis, they would probably say we 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 are familiar with those individuals, and we did mm-hmm. look up to them, and we probably pulled a little thing, a couple of things from them. Uh, right. That would be hard for us to admit that, I think. Right. Yeah, I agree. I agree. He's got the he's got the longevity. That's for sure. All right, yeah. Yeah. John Ellis. That I, I was when you when you gave me your list and he was on it. I was like, that is that is a great choice. You know, he's he had, he has not been he has not been chosen in all my podcasts, and you know, I, I I'm so grateful that you did choose him. Thank you. I just don't. I I chose him because I don't think he ever really got the recognition that he really truly deserved. Yeah, yeah, you're right. You're right. All right, cool. All right, Miss Harris. So, since we did actors last time, I thought let's pick your favorite plays that you've either written or directed. So, now we got to pick your favorite of these four that you gave me. Are you ready? That is going to be hard. Yes, I'm ready. I know it's going to be hard. <laughs> I know. I do not envy you. But, uh, <laughs> you know, it's okay if the answer changes tomorrow. <laughs> Thanks. All, right. All you're concerned about the answer is today. Right? <laughs> All right. Exactly. Exactly. All right. So the first two we have from the valley to the peak and still climbing. I got that right, right? That's correct, yes. All right. And the second one was in remembrance of MLK. I think there were some other words after that, but uh, I got I got the first one. Uh, Beyond Vietnam to the Dream. Um, yeah. Oh, my gosh. hard. Um, I love them both. And um, the cool thing about them, they are vignettes that are intertwined. And, and connected. So, um, oh, they're both vignettes, huh? Uh, they're like a series of vignettes, like I think four vignettes in each one, but they're connected. Okay. Like from the valley to the peak and still climbing, it was about four women, four generations of one family of women. So we took it yeah. from slavery up to present day and um, just kind of gave a, a perspective on it was I wanted to show how women's point of view how women were treated you know how that has evolved over the years decades but also show the similarities that um, existed as well um, from in remembrance of MLK from beyond Vietnam to the dream was uh, it was a snapshot of the last year of Martin Luther King's life. And uh, from from Beyond Vietnam was was in reference to his uh, speech about Beyond Vietnam, uh, which some historians believe kind of set his assassination in motion, if you believe in the conspiracy theories. And um, so, in the play, we start out with his speech uh, that he gave in um, 67. In fact, the, the kind of unusual thing about it is he gave the speech exactly to the day, one year before he was assassinated. And talk about creepy. Right. But um, then we go through, then I also take a little literary license and, and have uh, vignettes that show the conspiracy uh, uh, shows the scene of, of where Hoover and um, I can't think of the guy's name, but these are real characters. And it was like a black informant that Hoover used. 
uh, who happened to be on the scene the day uh, that um, Martin Luther King was assassinated. And I show a scene where they conspire to kill King uh, down mm -hmm. to the second where King has to be out on the balcony mm -hmm. and in place because that bullet is coming at, I think it's 601, don't quote me. And um, so I'm, I'm, and so it shows the conspiracy scene where um, the, the informant has to make sure that King is on that balcony at exactly 601. Um, and so we talk, we talk about that and how all this happened and how everything was put in place and some of the things that happened after he was shot. And then um, the last thing, which is my favorite, is um, an imagined scene between Martin Luther King and Malcolm X, where mm. they have a discussion. Malcolm X is dead, because mm. Malcolm X died in 64, 65. Uh, King didn't die until 68. Um, so I do imaginary uh, scene where Malcolm X comes to Martin Luther King in a dream. So as, as you can see, it would be hard to choose between those two because I just love these scenes okay. and they're and I love these two plays and the scenes are very moving and touching. But um, I think I would have to pick From the Valley to the Peak and Still Climbing because that was my very first play that I wrote. Okay. I don't blame you. I don't blame you. Wow. Well, I, I just had, you know, you, you sparked up a question, well, more of question slash comment for the both of you, because, uh, I mean, is that really true about a Black informant that might have been led to Martin Luther King's assassination? It's funny you ask that question, because we tend, some of the plays that we do, we do talkbacks or Q&As, and that was one yeah. of the first questions someone asked me. Um, According to the research, and I did extensive research on that, because when you're delving into conspiracy theories, you need to have your, your facts straight. Um, sure. from, oh, yeah. the, from the work I did, I would say yes. And there definitely was, I can't think of the guy's name, the Black Informant. I, I wish I could. But yes, he existed. He really existed. Now, the conversations that he had between Hoover, who knows? But mm -hmm. there are a lot of things. When you think about where he was, when he was there, um, things that he did, time, mm -hmm. you could probably make a good argument for that, that theory being correct. And I do believe that the King family, uh, they truly believed that, um, oh man, what's his name? Um, Ray, I can't think of the guy who assassinated, oh, they say assassinated King. Um, they, they don't, the, the King family has said in recent years that they don't believe he was the one who killed King, or if he was, he was, he, he did not do it alone. He was, uh, they believe he was set up. Um, hmm. Okay. They believe wow. he was set up. So, um, okay. yes, from the research I've done, and it's extensive, I would say that conspiracy theory holds serious water. Yeah. Well, yeah, I, it just, when you said it, it struck me. What's that? James O'Reilly, I'm sorry, Sam. James O'Reilly was the person who was accused of assassinating um, King. Uh, I couldn't think of his name. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah, when you mentioned it, it just sparked, uh, you know, I please don't laugh at me, but I just finally saw that movie, um, Judas and the Black Messiah about oh, okay. Black Panther Party. Have you have you seen it? Yes, yeah. Sir. Yeah. Right. And then there was a black informant in that movie. And I had no idea that you know, and that's a true story. I, I I'm pretty darn sure. Yeah. And yeah, that that's the truth. Oh. It was just terrible. You know, and it, I think What's Hoover that? was behind Sam. I think Hoover was behind a lot of these. Yeah. Uh, these assassinations. Yeah. yeah. I I I it's it's there's no doubt. There's no doubt. But the way that they were able to, you know, whatever you want to call it, uh, bamboozle uh, or you know, trick them into doing these terrible things, you know, it, 
it, yeah, it, it, it's that's a whole other story. And that uh, brings us to current day with the um, five cops that attacked Tyree Nichols. We, I don't know, there's something about us as a race that allows us, if we think we have a little bit of power or a little bit of leverage, um, or we can get that power or leverage, we will do horrible things to each other. Uh, I'm yeah. not saying everybody, there are, there's a certain element of us that will do it um, and, and, yeah. and not take it hard that we are all brothers and sisters. Amen. And we should have for it, we should have empathy for each other. Somehow that gets lost in that power struggle. Yes. Yes. Absolutely. Yeah, we, we talked about that the last episode. And uh, you know, Mr. Jordan, um retired police officer, and I I did want to thank you for your service, sir, for that. Amen. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, he, he had said that, you know, it, it, it's not a reflection of of everyone. But like you said, it, there are those few that, you know, power just goes to their head for some odd reason. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Uh, we could talk on our soapboxes forever here, but let's keep with the game. <laughs> uh, uh, so... The next two are the slave trilogies against an accident waiting to marry. Huh. Um, an accident waiting to marry was written by someone else, but it was I was I directed it twice. The thing that I love about that play is the the way it engages the audience. Um, if you sit in the audience, and that's what I love to do, because um, once we've rehearsed and we're ready for production, I hand it over to my stage manager, which is usually Troy, and I sit in the audience. I don't do a thing but watch the play, and I love that because I get to see the audience's reaction and, and listen to them and see if they laugh or, or, or sigh or do whatever what I think they should do that, because if right. they do, then the mission is, our mission is accomplished. So right. um, that that's did that the, the interaction between the audience and you could tell that they were like kind of waiting to see what was going to happen because we had some twists and turns in there and um, they didn't quite know what to expect so uh that was kind of cool but my um my favorite would be the slave trilogy um and perhaps i'm biased i, I wrote those and the thing that i love about the slave trilogy is that um there are three stories that are derived from actual occurrences on the, the plantation. So um, I, I have great researchers uh, from the Thomas Jefferson plantation that give me background information. And then they give me, again, a little bit of creative license to build stories around the skeleton of, of the stories that they have documented. And um, these stories allow me to give voice to the enslaved and give them dimension because um, most people, when they think of slaves, they think of somebody in a cotton field or a tobacco field or whatever. They don't think about them as having uh, uh, trouble in their marriages or, or well, what was what was deemed to be marriages. Of course, marriage wasn't considered legal back then, but to the people who were involved, they were real marriages. Um, mm -hmm. and, and they had, uh, problems with the overseers and they have problems with each other, the same kinds of things that we experience today. And um, so I want, I, I try to make my, and, so, and I also try to make them relevant to what's going on today. Like one, um, one uh, vignette that we do that's called Hannah and Billy the Talk. And it's about a mother talking to her enslaved son about what he has to do. You know, just like a mother today would tell her son, if you're stopped by the police, this is what you do. Don't resist. Don't do this. Same kind of conversation that this enslaved mother is having with her son. So I try to make all the vignettes relevant so that people can, again, see the humanity in these, in these characters. Yeah. Oh, man. 
I'd love to see it. Both of these. And yeah, come with her. Oh, yeah, and that's another reason I'm like, too, because we're still seeing those. I will definitely come to Lynchburg at some point, I promise. I All right. Yeah. Set it on air. You're committed. I said it. <laughs> That's right. That's right. <laughs> All right. So now the final two, your your plays from the Valley or the Slave Trilogies. Which is your favorite? Hmm. I think from the Valley to the Peak is again because it was the first play I wrote. It gave me the confidence to continue doing what I'm doing because I was able to, because you like you always get feedback from your audience and that's so important to me. And the feedback that I got, let me know that I was hitting my mark. I was hitting the target that people were receiving the messages that I was trying to convey. Um, mm -hmm. And they were about women. And they were about real women with the same issues that we have today. The enslaved woman, uh, the first of the four stories, she had had her child taken away from her. And uh, it, it talks about the, the things that she went through, the emotional roller coaster ride that she went through um, after having her child removed from her and sold. Um, there was uh, one, uh, one of the um, stories in that particular play was about a woman who was experiencing domestic violence. Um, so it was about the, the stories that affect or impact women. So I think that really holds a place close to my heart because of the nature of the stories and the fact that we were, I was talking about women and hopefully women that other women could relate to. Yes, awesome. Awesome, all right, all right. Are you gonna be doing it again anytime soon? It's funny you mention that. I would like to revive that because I did that. That was my very first place. So that was probably back in 2013, somewhere around there. So I haven't touched that since. And oh, and I didn't tell you, these were monologues. So bless my, I, I love my actors because they had to memorize like 20, 25 minute monologues. Uh, oh. Every, all four were a monologue. And so um, I would yeah. love to do that again. I have to choose my, my act as well, because it's hard doing it. Well, you know, you, you do yeah. a lot. So, right. yeah, I, I would like to visit that since it's been a while. I may re rewrite a couple of the stories, just, you know, keep them pretty much intact, but maybe change a little bit of the storylines or whatever. Yeah. Awesome. 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 Well, great. Um, last question for you both. Um, and we'll go with Mr. Jordan first. Uh, and I always ask everybody at the end, you know, how do you plan to creatively affect the world in a positive way? What What are your next plans, projects, et cetera? Well, uh, the project that Mrs. Harris is talking about, um, Dark Shadows, uh, I'm planning on trying to be a part of that with them. Um, uh, I'm actually... Uh, no, no, uh, I, I, unless they want me to, but no, probably not. Uh, but in, in whatever capacity that they would have me uh, do, okay. I, I'm interested. Okay. Um, I wouldn't that you know, I, I may not possess every talent that a person would have in this entire world, but the little bit that I do possess, I try to utilize that, especially with people that uh, have a like-minded sense of wanting to achieve something, not just to be saying that you're doing something, you're actually doing something that has, it has meaning. Um, uh, probably, um, basically just continue to get out of my comfort zone and when I'm asked to do something, try to do it, continue yeah. to do it, um, for the legacy or anything or any other entity and it, as it comes to, as it relates to black history or, or moving the black movement forward in any way in a positive manner or trying to yeah. put us in the light as often as we can or as I can. Yes. Awesome. Amen. Yeah. And I know you will. I know you will. Thank you. Yeah. How about you, Ms. Harris? What's, uh, what's your creative plans in the near future? To continue to tell the stories. As you know, there's a movement to silence us. 
and mm-hmm. not uh, uh, talk about our stories because it's too painful for certain members of our society. And um, mm-hmm. I saw something really cool today about Ruby Bridges, and hopefully, well, most people know the story about her. She was a, a very young girl, and during integration, at the beginning of mm-hmm. integration, she had to be right. supported police uh, into her school. And they said, if she was strong enough to endure this, then your child is strong enough to learn about it. And that was powerful. To me. That is great. That yes, is yes. Great. So um, I want to continue to tell the stories and I've been blessed with opportunities to do that. Um, like I said, uh, I think I was telling you off air that um, we're telling the story. Well, well, I think I discussed it on air too. We're telling the story of Fifth Street and um, talking to the elders, getting their perspective before they are no longer available to tell us their stories, so that right. those stories are not forgotten. Stories are being documented on film uh, and are pl- being placed on YouTube, so they'll be there for eternity, or as long as YouTube exists. Um, and then right. I've also been commissioned to uh, tell, uh, every year I've been um, telling Black history uh, stories about old city cemetery inhabitants. There's a, it's a huge cemetery in, in our city that has a lot of Black people buried there. So every year they try to tell the stories of the people that are white, Black, whatever. And I, because I guess I'm Black, they ask me to tell the stories. And I, I respect that. They want me to tell the stories of Black people. So tell those stories of those people and it's amazing people buried there. It's, again, history that has not been um, uh, promoted or, or told. A lot of these stories people don't know and they need to know. Uh, I will continue with um, popular, uh, oh, um, Troy was reminding me to let you know, uh, there's about 20,000 people uh, buried there. The majority of those, probably a good 80% uh, are black. Uh, people buried at Old City Cemetery. Uh, so there's wow. so many stories that can be told. And um, yeah. I will continue to work with Poplar Forest, at least for another year, telling the stories of the enslaved at Thomas Jefferson's plantation. And of course, Thomas Jefferson was very conflicted because he's the, uh, the author of our Declaration of Independence, which says everybody, is, all people are created equal. And so you have this conflict mm. of him not his slaves equally. So um, uh, he's a very conflicted person, but I try to tell the stories in a way that people can digest them without uh, having heart attacks. Um, Because you have people very, um, you know, you you don't talk about Thomas Jefferson. You don't talk about these people, uh, you know, they don't want to hear it. But Mm -hmm. I believe in in telling them. So that's what I'm going to continue. Do, tell the truth. That is so great. That is so great. And I, I love, I, I'm, I'm pretty sure you told me about the, the cemetery stories previously. And I, I just love that. You know, that is such a, such a cool thing, you know, to, you know, and I'm sure their families are appreciative of that as well. You know, they, are. they, they truly are. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Well, I am, Again, so honored to have you two on, and uh, this has been a pleasure. I don't want it to end, but I guess it has to. <laughs> but thank you so much for coming on, and um, I wish you both just the best success in all that you do. And thank you, Sam, for um, making this so much, such an enjoyable experience. Yes, sir. We really do appreciate that. Really does. Yes. And I've talked to Mrs. Catherine Scott, and she asked me to let you know that she is very appreciative of you allowing us to do this and getting the word of her um, original play. Um, and she was just excited. I talked to her earlier, uh, actually, sometime yesterday, I believe, and she had shared it with uh, one of her children who was really excited to listen to the podcast. So I'm, I'm just That's excited great. for her. That, yeah. That's great. Yes. Tell her thank you. And, you know, I tell her I'd love for her to be a guest. It would be awesome to talk to her about the creation of gossip and all that. I certainly will. All right. Awesome. All right. Well, this has been the Creativatorium. 
with Troy Jordan and Teresa Harris. Thank you again for being on. Appreciate it. Thank you. Yep. And as I always like to end it, all the world the stage. See you next time. Hello, Annika here again. I'd like to tell you about some voiceover coaching classes with Sam. It's a lot of fun. We play lots of games and activities all based around vocal techniques. We meet once a week, but Sam could work around your schedule. We practice and record with his studio microphone. So one day you can be a famous voiceover star. For more information, visit samber.productions, that's S-A-M-B-E-R, dot productions, or contact Sam Prince at 616-308-0067. You don't have to be a kid like me either. His coaching sessions are for all ages. Looking forward to hearing your voice soon. Hey, 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 thank you for listening to the Creativatorium Podcast. Again, my name is Sam Prince, and it is my honor to be your host, and thank you so much for listening. I would also be honored if you could leave a review on Apple Podcasts and say some nice things about what you just heard. And definitely please listen every week. We come out every Tuesday. Also, for more information about coaching classes, workshops, and upcoming productions, please check out our website, samber.productions. That's S-A-M-B-E-R dot productions. And you can also subscribe to our newsletter. And remember, all the world's a stage.